Hey guys, you're listening to the podcast. Thank you so much. I am so humbled by your time and your attention. Man, it would mean the world to me if right now, if you texted one of your friends with a link to this podcast and you were just like, hey, check this guy out, give this guy a listen. You know, I think fitness, finance, faith, you know, it might help you out. Help me spread the message, help me spread the word. Man, it would be phenomenal. cubed podcast i got a nice little finance ditty ready to go for you guys man and this is going to be you know kind of macro in nature it's going to be kind of you know a few minutes kind of talking about the economy as a whole and i think that in all of my years and experience kind of talking with so many people and teaching so many students and you know just what have you i think that this is something that might help you if you aren't necessarily, you know, an expert in the world of investing or finance or, you know, the economy as a whole, you know, or not even an expert, but even if you're just kind of a beginner and you're just trying to get a better understanding of the financial world around us, I think this might help. And so today, you know, I've titled this podcast, The Cost of Money. And the basic idea is I wanted to take a few minutes and kind of explain how interest rates work in at least the United States, which is where I live and where I would be willing to bet many of you live as, you know, most of the people that I know do live in the United States. And so, you know, what I'm going to say is not necessarily going to be applicable to you if you live in a different country, but the United States is arguably the strongest economic engine around the globe and so even if you like live in the UK or you live in you know Singapore or Australia or whatever it still might be helpful to kind of understand this process a little bit better and so interest rates in the United States so in a general sense it doesn't really matter where you live the cost of money is the interest rate that is associated to that money And so that's why I titled the segment The Cost of Money because if you think about money as like an object, right, the cost of that money is going to be the interest rate that is is attached or associated with, you know, those funds. And so depending on, you know, which side of the transaction you might be on is going to largely determine whether or not it is a cost or it is a return. But speaking through the lens of the cost, I think it's going to make a little bit more sense for what I want to talk about here for the next few minutes. So the Federal Reserve. So the Federal Reserve effectively controls the money supply in the United States. And so through their targeting of the money supply, the money that's in circulation, through their targeting of the money supply, they're going to tinker with and kind of control or change or target different interest rate levels. And there are a couple of key interest rates that they specifically target, that they kind of control or handle, that effectively end up having a trickle-down effect throughout the rest of the economy. And that's kind of what I want to focus on over the, you know, over the course of the next few minutes. And the cool thing about the way I want to kind of structure this is, you know, I don't want this whole conversation to just be some high-level 
you know, talking about the Fed, talking about, you know, printing money, whatever, talking about these things that you might feel aren't directly applicable to you. I want to, in a few minutes, kind of show you guys how this does directly apply to you. So definitely stay tuned for the next few minutes because at the very end, I'll kind of show you guys, all right, this is what this means for you. So the first rate that the Federal Reserve controls is called the discount rate. Now, the discount rate is specifically the interest rate that the Federal Reserve would charge you if you were a bank to borrow money from the Fed. So it's called the discount window. So if you pulled up to the discount window, right, like actually, like literally picture yourself in your car driving up to a bank and you're going up to that little mechanism with like the little, you know, the little chute that you send the little uh, canister back into the bank and you say, hey, you know, I want to borrow some money. Well, your teller on the other side of that is, you know, Ben Bernanke or Janet Yellen or for those of you, you know, rocking old school like Alan Greenspan or, you know, today, I mean, we have a new federal chairman, federal uh, chairman of the Federal Reserve now, Jerome Powell. And so the other side of that transaction is going to be the Fed and you're going to say, hey, I'm Bank of America or I'm Chase or I'm whoever and I want to borrow, you know, I need a couple billion to get me until, you know, to get me until Friday when my next uh, check comes in and, uh, you know, I've got a little more inflow, a little more cash flow to work with. So I just need a short term loan, you know, overnight for the next couple days, you know, whatever. That's the discount rate and the Federal Reserve controls that rate. They basically control what they're going to charge other banks to borrow from them at. The other rate that the Fed controls and influences to a great degree, if not to an entire degree, is what is called the federal funds rate. Now, the federal funds rate is actually the rate that banks would charge each other to transact. So if you're Bank of America and you're thinking, all right, I need some money, right? I need some money, just some overnight cash to have on hand or to, you know, meet my immediate needs. You could go to the Fed itself and you would be charged the discount rate or you could go to, you know, your Bank of America, you could call up Chase or you could call up, you know, JP Morgan or you could call up, you know, whoever and you could say, hey, I need to borrow some money. What is going to be the rate on that loan? Now, the Federal Reserve determines what that rate is going to be. And what's interesting about the relationship between those two rates is the Fed funds rate, you know, I'm really hesitant to use terms like always and never. And so I'm not going to use that term here, but I think it might be, this might actually be an always situation. You know, the financial markets are so interesting because it's, it's almost, it's almost always never an always or never situation. If that made any sense at all. So the financial markets are, I mean, they're living and breathing. And so, you know, if you look long enough, you're always going to find exceptions to whatever rule you're about to lay out there. But I'm going to go ahead and say that the Fed funds rate is almost always lower than the discount rate. And the reason why is kind of simple if you think about it. The Fed wants to encourage banks to transact with one another. They would prefer not to be a part of that transaction. Now, they, they're there if they need to be. And, you know, largely this is in place for like catastrophic conditions, but they really want to be left out of it. They want to be very laissez-faire. They want to go ahead and let banks, you know, figure this out with one another. So to offer an incentive to do that, 
right? The Fed funds rate is going to be going to be lower than the discount rate most of the time, if not all the time. And so you understand the discount rate now, hopefully. You understand the Fed funds rate now, hopefully. So now the next step in this process is kind of how does this impact you and me on an everyday basis? Well, if you think about interest rates as kind of a pyramid, right? If you think about the interest rates in the economy as kind of a pyramid, and if you think about the discount rate or the Fed funds rate kind of being the top of that pyramid, the Fed controls those rates. But then all other rates that we see in the marketplace, you know, like your rate on a car loan, your rate on a new mortgage, your student loan rate, your credit card rate. I mean, anything that has an interest rate attached to it is beneath those couple of rates at the top. And everything trickles down from those couple of rates, specifically the Fed funds rate, although it really doesn't matter which one you're looking at, given the illustration that I'm going to work through now. But everything's going to trace back to those top two rates, and here's the reason why. So if we focus on the Fed funds rate, you know, you've got Bank A and you've got Bank B. Well, let's say that the Federal Reserve decides to increase interest rates. Now, why would they decide to do that? Well, that's definitely a separate podcast or a YouTube video or a YouTube video series for that matter. So we'll leave that on the shelf. I definitely don't want to go down that rabbit hole here today. But let's say that the Fed decides to raise interest rates. Well, what is it going to do? It's going to raise the the discount rate. It's going to raise the Fed funds rate. And so what is that then going to do? What result or impact is that going to have on Bank A and Bank B? Okay, well now the Fed funds rate just went higher. So that means that if Bank A wants to borrow from Bank B, right? If Bank of America wants to borrow from Chase, they're going to have to pay a higher rate on those borrowed funds. The cost of money just went up. So now think about it from Bank of America's standpoint, right? They're paying more money on the funds that they have to borrow from Chase, from the other bank. Now, they have profit objectives that they have to meet, right? Bank of America, and it's a good example because it's a publicly traded company, they have shareholders that they have to please. They have shareholders that are expecting a return on their investment. And so Bank of America has to generate you know, profit and income and you know, they have to generate a return on investment. And so if it's costing them more money to now borrow funds, what are they going to do? They're going to pass those costs on to you and me. They're going to now make it more expensive for us to borrow money from them, right? So you can see it's a domino effect, right? It's very much a chain with various links in the chain. The first link that was set by the Fed in the form of the Fed funds rate just went up. So the next link in the chain, and they're doing some construction behind me, so you know, disregard all the crazy noises in the background. But the next link in the chain is going to be they're going to pass those costs on to you and me so they can maintain certain profit objectives, so they can keep their profit margins where they are, so they can continue to maximize you know, their shareholders' return and their shareholders' wealth. And so if you think about a bank and you remember that their widget, what they're selling to you and me, what they're selling to the public is money. And so if the cost of the money that they have to bring in just went up, 
they're going to raise the cost to you and me so that they can continue to generate a higher return or the same return that they've been generating. And obviously, conversely, if rates go down, you can probably follow through this line of thinking now, right? If rates go down, the Fed funds rate is lowered. Banks can now borrow more cheaply from each other. So what are they going to do? They're going to pass they're going to pass those savings if that's what you want to call it. They're going to pass those savings on to you and me. So our car loans go down, our mortgage rates go down, our student loan rates go down, our credit cards go down, and it's really a trickle down. It really is a pyramid. Some might argue a pyramid scheme for that matter. But it is at least a pyramid and that's pretty much how it works, you know. So hopefully you've been able to kind of, you know, tune out, you know, all the construction going on in the background here for the last five minutes. And that was helpful for you guys, you know, kind of give you a better understanding of the economy around us, kind of give you a better understanding of the role that money, or at least one of the roles that money and its cost, its return, depending on which side of the transaction you're on, you know, has in our overall economy. Not only here at home in the United States, but also globally, because again, the U.S. plays such a pivotal role in the global economic landscape. So that's it, man. That's the cost of money. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. You're listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for your time and your attention. But have you checked out the YouTube channel yet? Man, go to Live F Cubed. That's the F Cubed website, Live F Cubed. And in the upper right-hand corner, you can find a link right to the YouTube channel. I don't have enough clout. I don't have enough prestige yet to have you know my own YouTube URL that is recognizable. It's just a bunch of letters and consonants that nobody's going to remember. I don't even know it myself, so I'm certainly not going to give you that. But go to LiveFCubed, click on the YouTube link, check out the videos, subscribe. Got a lot of stuff coming out in video form, so definitely give that a look.